ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Elk hunters in the world. Across the canyon, pop up the other side, and the wind is right at my back and blows right into it. I cut him off and say, I'm the baddest one, not you. I love it, man. I feel like I'm super blessed to call myself an elk hunter. To beat them at their game, to get them within that bow range, convincing them that I'm one of them. you got to close that distance really quick on him. And if he's going to engage that much, that's a dead bull. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast. Sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. Whether you're chasing bugles over the next ridge, sitting a stand out east, this is about passion. Pursuing our dreams of field, our lifestyle, the betterment of self and community, the enlightenment that comes from those moments spent in God's creation. Through these conversations, I hope you find insight, inspiration, education, and motivation to push beyond okay. your limits. Uh, yeah, we're, we're going to get ahead of ourselves and be 10, 15 minutes deep into a conversation, and then I'll regret <laughs> not recording good conversation, man. So. <laughs> but again, man, I, I, I'm, you know, honored and, and uh, truly happy to have you on the podcast, man. So folks listening, we're on with Mark Carlton of Native by Carlton. Uh, game calls, if you don't know, he probably should. Um, but we started talking about a little bit of history and then, uh, and then a little bit of Wayne there. And I didn't want to get too far away from it, man, because I think that's important, especially for guys that are kind of coming up and new to elk hunting, I guess, to understand the history with Carlton calls and, and what, uh, what Wayne did, you know, in, in my opinion, to pioneer, um, you know, parts of the industry being in calls or just that dude out there, you know, hunting professionally in the, you know, maybe limelight or spotlight to a point. Right. Um, and I just didn't want to get away from, from that man. So welcome. And yeah, again, brother, I appreciate you uh, jumping on. I'm excited to get into this conversation. No, like I said, I appreciate it, man. Um, I apologize for, for taking so long. I know you've reached out before and we've I've been bouncing around, but now is the time. Yeah. No, we had, it, it has to, the stars have to align as they say. Right. And, <laughs> and that's the funny thing about doing this. Right. And and you, you get into it and it's always, you, you have to be understanding of people's schedule and your importance of your recording and your publishing of podcasts is not as important to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's helpful, man. And it's, hey, you know, anybody reaching out and trying, trying to help the, the whole movement is always appreciated. 
no, I'm, like I said, I'm honored, man. So um, g- give the folks a little bit of an intro, and then I want to talk about a little bit of history, uh, and then I want to get into, really, I want to talk about the anatomy of a diaphragm. That, that <clears throat> we, we talk about calling all the time, and everybody's hyped up on bugle tubes, but there's a lot that goes into a diaphragm, and I don't think people realize fit and function, right? I I don't, I think it's just missed. People put a call in their mouth sometimes because it has a stamp on it, or sometimes because a particular hunter is using that call, but then they don't understand really what they're putting in their mouth and blowing on and what all that means. I want to kind of dissect the anatomy of a, of a diaphragm, man. No, and it's, and it's changed a lot. So native's background, it's native by Carlton is a company name. And the, the background is we started in 2015. Um, we are originally native is basically a new brand or rebranding of kind of the Carlton family. I don't want to say Wayne Carlton per se by, by any means, but, but definitely the Carlton family. So the original dad's claim to fame was bringing the elk called diaphragm into the marketplace. Um, you know, and it, it's hard to even do the introduction without going straight into the history, just because there's just so much of it there oh that, that God, makes man. The whole thing as it is today. So that that was dad's claim to fame. And he started, he he got drug into the game call business. He, he was just a Florida guy that that came out here and just wanted to live out west, wanted to be elk hunting. And uh, he was doing uh, uh, pest control at the time. And guys locally got to know him for being able to bugle on a turkey read. And he was the only guy doing it at the time. Um, and there was a, a a local group of guys for Montrose that was putting together all the promotional stuff for Montrose and trying to bring in outside hunting and business, just, just that whole whole movement of trying to bring commerce in. So he got drafted into that as a guide for that whole venture. And and the the writer's name that, that was uh, brought out was a guy by the name of Rich LaRocca, which I need to reach out to Rich. I've got his phone number. He's still living in Salt Lake. He's still around. He's long in the tooth like dad is, but Rich was writing an article for outdoor life, sports and field type, type level. And we were talking about content earlier and about media a little bit, you know, that's all there was at the time. There there was no man. we, We didn't have VHS then we didn't have, anything we had, you know, so I could still, we had four channels on the, on the TV set satellite wasn't even a thing yet. So, I mean, that was a big deal, man. If you had any placement there on any of those magazines, cause it was just a handful. And that was, and that was all your information out there. So dad, dad got drug, drug into the hunt. The hunt was one of those deals. And he still laughs today. He says more stuff happened on that hunt that has since then has never happened again. Like he called in six bulls, everything's fighting. It's tearing trees. I mean, shit that you never see. I mean, it's just like lifetime moments of, of elk hunting. And <laughs> Rich, Rich was beside himself because he, he just thought it was just going to be a regular archery hunt for, for what everybody knew at the time. And then he gets paired up with dad, you know, and all this stuff just, is on a plate in front of him. Yeah. So, so Rich pulls dad aside and says, Hey man, I don't, I don't know what, what you're doing for a living. He says, I don't know if you like spring bugs or not. He says, but there's an idea here and and there's a thing here that if you don't grab it, you're a lunatic. So that's how it, it, it came. And dad's background was so much of the Turkey world that it was easy for him to bring that over. But, and that, and that, and that's what he did. He got a hold of some Turkey call manufacturers, started his first single double blue and triple Brown. 
And uh, we had a piece of a uh, pool set. We ended up with a like pool cleaning hose. And that was, that was our grunt tube and an audio tape. And that was the very start of it. But that was the original. I, I think the only other call in the marketplace at the time was like that little brass flutey. I don't know if, if you remember, it was like corrugated brass that was all coiled up with two mouthpieces on each end. And it just, it was just a whistle. So that, that was about all that was going. And then Larry Jones w- was right in there within a couple of years. Um, and Larry's deal was trying to use your mouth. Um, and, and then, but then Larry got into the reeds and everything else. And, and then everything just started to cascade after that. And um, I think Rocky came in, I'd have to look at Rocky's dates, but I want to say it had to be, it had to be like late eighties for Rocky and those guys for sure. But, but that, but that was kind of his claim to fame was he, he put the two and two together. So when he was in Florida, he was a salesman for pest control and they would just come out here on, you know, once a year retreats, just to go elk hunting with the boys. And when he was in the woods, <clears throat> his first year here and dad too, he's kind of one of those, like he's one of those best success stories ever. Cause he, I mean, he left high school with like a 10th grade education, self-made guy, just had a huge motor and a huge personality, made a great salesman. Um, so when he got, got out here, he didn't have a whole lot of education about what they were doing other than they were just out here elk hunting. So when he was in the woods, <clears throat> he heard a really high shrill whistle and all of us, I think we immediately see or relate or place a sound or something we catch in the woods to something we know. So what he knew was a turkey kiki run, which is that real high shrill whistle. So it's that. Well, that's not very far from. It's that same high shrill note. So when he heard that kiki run, it being in the fall, he first put turkey to it. So that that's how that crossover came. You know, he, he put the two and two together saying, well, if I can kiki run on this dive ram, can I elk call on it? And that's what planted that first seed of him figuring that out. That's awesome, man. I I'm I'm grinning ear to ear, right? And it's just like that that is the beginning of so many people's obsession, passion, whatever you want to call it. Right. And, and no one even knows. <laughs> no, well, it even goes further back than that. So like the oldest game call companies period date back like to the late 1800s. Like I want to say it was a uh, JP Alter. Uh, I got to think, I know it was old, but it was uh, mostly like duck calls. Right. So there was a little, a little bit there. Lynch turkey calls was like the 1940s. That's when stuff really kind of started taking off for, for everybody. But dad's first remembrance of a diaphragm turkey call had to be like late 1940s. And it was with an uncle, you know, and, and, and again, I'm sure we've been running calls like for as long as we've been hunting. Like I'm sure it's been forever. I'm sure some little kid and with some caveman was had a blade of grass between his fingers like we used to do with a kid and used to, yep. you know, get a raspy sound to it. And I'm sure like somebody heard that and then it went from one thing to another to another. Right. So same deal. Like there wasn't any mouth diaphragms at the time. The guys were running tube calls for Turkey, which was just a piece of uh, condom stretched out over like a, you know, anything, you know, I'm, I'm going to say anything around. They, they use all kind of different me- media over the years, but dad's first visualization of a diaphragm was an uncle that was an avid turkey hunter and he was sitting in the corner making turkey sounds like just with his mouth and, and dad's like a little kid and it's like hey you know, hey uncle his name was uncle runkle 
goes, how are you doing that? And so he pulls it out and it's a piece of duct tape, uh, a cut up piece of condom by hand and a lead top to a toothpaste tube that they had whittled down and made a horseshoe frame similar to what we got today and just sandwiched it all together. And that, that was the first diaphragm that he had ever seen. Wow. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I think it was Mike Batiste. I'm almost certain that his first call was uh, it was some kind of medicine box or raisin box with a condom stretched across it. Yep. And I'm not sure if we didn't have any other source of latex back in the day. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. You know, I'm sure we had like uh, rubber gloves, but I bet we didn't have anything thin enough to really you know, get it. Yep. Then and and that prof that prophylactic and we're still it's funny because everybody everybody looks at ingredients on calls on the packaging and it always says prof and everybody's like they don't i don't think they think twice but it's still die cut condom it's still guys cutting condom down and putting them in diaphragms <laughs> and it, it's an ultra light it's a really open light material right and i mean because condoms are condoms but they have an extra really tight yap to it man it, it hits a note it has a it has a gear to it and even like our, our newer, so we've got a new latex and some of the new stuff we're doing now. And it's a, it's a type of prof. It, it's a, it's made like by today's standards. I mean, it's new and updated, but that's essentially what it is. It's the same material as, as what a condom is. Right. And, and it still has a, man, it has a gear to it. I, I got a feeling it's going to end up being some of the favorite material we have going. I, I have all kind of jokes that I could. <laughs> no, man, it's English, right? I like, can run, man. About? I can run for hours with, with <laughs> the freaking immature jokes. It's like, you know, I, I, I competition called for a while, too, and everybody's like, man, why didn't you keep up with that? Because you were right there in the same runnings with, with everybody that took over the world, and I just never took it that serious, man. And I was like, how do you sell that? Like, I can't even walk into a bar and use that as a pickup line. Like, hey. You want to listen to me use my elk call diaphragm made out of a prophylactic? Like, like who's going to buy into that? <laughs> so, yeah, that that's pretty funny, man. So I, I think I think it goes down to also explaining the tenacity and the focus of hunters. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you really sit down and look at it and think about it, man, it's like we figure stuff out. If, if, if we're, we're passionate enough about it, man, it's our, our brains, they're working. If it's just like dad, I think looking at it and saying, Hey man, I'm, I, that little, that, that little seed in my head of, if that's a key key room, can I put those two things together in, in, in my brain? You know, I think we do it all the time. Right. And it, it, it speaks a lot to, cause you hear a lot of times, right. How, you know, maybe folks from the outside looking in think it's just this easy, bloodthirsty, we go out and then we kill everything. But I mean, we're talking about trying to, you know, level, air quote, level the playing field, you know, decades and decades ago um, to increase we've our been odds. For, yeah, we've been doing it forever. You know, <laughs> I, I'm sure we've got dates on companies now, you know, as far as game calls. And then they go back a, a few years, but in the realm of it, I mean, you know, as I do, guys have as long as we've been shooting bows and arrows and chasing critters, we, I guarantee you there's been some Indians back there in the oh, days, yeah. you know, trying to mimic animals and trying to use that as leverage. And I mean, that's always, you, you look at it, you know, into the, the moose world. And I mean, there's still guys using, you know, tree bark um, yeah. to fashion stuff, right. And horns. I mean, good, good Lord. How, how far back do horns and calls go? So, the history. Yeah, is I, think, I think too, man, like, for me, it's, it's a bigger piece of the puzzle. Like archery hunting is a deeper connection in the field than say rifle hunting, right? Like it's an entirely different experience. I think calling critters, I think saying something and having them say something back. I think that connection and that communication 
I think guys don't even think twice about it, but I think it's a piece of the puzzle, man. It oh, makes absolutely. a difference in the hunt. You're way more connected. You're way more immersed in it. It makes a difference. Yeah, you, we probably you probably upset some guys that that you know rifle hunt by saying that, but I can't. There's no way that I can believe that anybody would disagree with that connection. I think that's one of the things, you know, being able to interact socially with that animal. There's no way that anybody can deny the impact that that has on one, the hunt, and then us as individuals and how, I know for me, hunting has, that's been a, a transformative thing through the years for me, right? And and the more yeah. I get into one aspect of it, be it elk or whatever, it's always transformative. It always sets me in a different, a different path, but it always gives me a better outlook on everything around me and that connection, that social interaction. And, and I mean, I guess you could say, right, you're, you're, you know, we want to best the animal, but there's so much more to it than just best in the animal, man. It's just. No, it is. And it's uh, like I said, you, you can't replace, you can't replace being there in the experience. And I've even gotten to the point with that anti hunters. I don't have, I don't have any expectations and I don't have any judgment because the reality is they have no barometer for it right, whatsoever. whatsoever. Like, right. like there, there's not enough questions or information to even really form an honest opinion. Like they, I mean, you, you have to, you have to be educated to have an argument. It, it's funny because I'll try and engage with some of those folks. I saw a post the other day. I was on, I forget who, oh, Black Bear Seth out of California is a big bear hunter. Excellent bear hunter. Um, and he had put something in about wolves and, you know, a couple people got on there and were commenting and I tried to have a good engagement with someone on the opposite end of it. Right. And, and really share what it is that we do. And man, they just don't care to hear it. Right. They're so, yeah. they're so set in though. This is just what it is. And it's, I almost feel sorry for them. Cause it's like, you have no idea what you're missing. You have no idea of the enlightenment of the personal experience, the experience with your creator. And just, I mean, you're just in tune with, with your entire world. And then yeah. you come no, back. It's, it's a huge piece. Like I, I don't, and I, I'm glad of today's press. Like I've seen more and more stuff, you know, it's, I, I just watched the deal, you know, so, so my main job for those guys don't know me is uh, fire department stuff. So when fire department guys aren't busy, we watch a lot of TV and <laughs> generally we're cook cleaning. all the time. Yeah. We're, well, I do cook a lot too. Man. So we're either cleaning, you know, or cooking or watching TV or, or doing something crazy. But we were watching, um, you know, uh, a documentary from National Geographic with like Chris Hemsworth. And it was just talking about health in general, but a big piece of it was, and I was glad to see it. It was, it was a big piece of it was like, Hey, you need to go get lost in the woods for like a, a week or two mm -hmm. a year, just for like health, like yep. even from a science standpoint, you know, and it's, you start hearing a little more and more pieces of, of that out there being more engaged and, and people are missing some of those pieces of the puzzle. So, so I mean, hopefully as time goes, people become more self-aware of that, you know, but there's still something about sleeping at 12,000 feet, listening to elk bugle and being in the woods for a week. That make you feel like a little freaking kid every single time you hear. Yeah. I mean, it's man, it is just so needed. Yeah. It's uh, and what an unreal experience, <clears throat> man. I, I think going and being a, a piece of that instead of just an observer is, is really where it's at. And again, I, I don't want to say I feel bad for them, but I do like, there's a piece of me that's just like, damn, if you only knew what you're missing, if you yeah, only knew agreed. that connection, um, you would change your tune. But 
it's unfortunate, but uh, yeah, we don't necessarily need that many more people in the woods. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I mean, we're, we're both Colorado guys. Like yeah. it's a different conversation, man. It has Colorado's changed. I mean, I just it's so much and it's going to continue to right now. It's we're just really in some fluctuation in the last five years, especially, man. I mean, just think about what's supposed to happen um, the last quarter of this year, how that's going to change the landscape. Um, I mean, that that impact is going to be felt for, I, in my opinion, a couple decades at a bare minimum, if they even if they figure out what to do uh, later down the road, it's going to, it's going to be a huge impact, man. I'm yeah, a little bit no nervous really. about it. And then I'm not going to bring, I don't want to talk about it too much, but that area that you brought up, um, you know, where you guys are at there, we won't say it again. So people, <laughs> but <clears throat> no. So it, interesting numbers. Um, Montrose, the Uncompahgre Plateau is one of the biggest areas in the state of Colorado unit 61, 62, 62 is like something like 900,000 huntable acres. Um, which is, I mean, dude, that's like almost twice the size of Rhode Island. Like, I mean, that's, that's a chunk of ground, but it's also the busiest unit in the state demographically. Now we're, we're bigger. Like I think you can take four or five units, say over like in Meeker and rifle sill and stick them together and kind of be in the same, like even higher numbers with people, but man, we still, we have got so many people over here. It's not worth hunting. Like I'm at a point, I, I'm at a point, I, I'm not joking. I am, I'm at a point of, I would rather pick up a camera and go hunt with somebody with a good tag and go help guide and help and participate than try to go hunt that damn thing. See, I'm, I'm, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum because I, I enjoy hunting the plateau so much that yep. irregardless, I would go and, and give it a whirl. And now I have some years of experience over there, so it probably, you know, that probably lends itself to that desire. But sure. man, I I absolutely love hunting up there, man. There's some you look up at that thing and you have no idea. And then you get up on that plateau <laughs> and you start dropping in some of those drainages and whatnot, man, and it's some of the most beautiful country you'll step put your feet in, man. It is. It's it's cool ground and there's a reason there's so many people and so many elk there is yeah. because of the happening. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's just amazing. Like it really is. Um, I spend most of my time over in Gunnison Basin now and some of those units over there, but it's the same deal too. It's so remote. And so I, I still think it's, it's, I think areas like that are some of the last stays in Colorado where you can truly get lost mm -hmm. and really disappear. And there's some deep country where you can get, you know, I think, I think last year, just to set base camp, I was 12, 12 miles in on trail, you know, I mean, it, it took me, <clears throat> Roughly four hours by foot just to get base camp in there, you know, and, and there's just not much of that left anymore. No, but it's so I, I really dig the, that deep remote hunting now, you know, it's, it's just a hoop. Yeah. That's uh, so many roads <laughs> and then you get, yeah. you know, you, you get more people out and just recreators, right. And that's one of the things that I noticed last year where I hunted, there was so many just recreators, man. It was just like, wow. Like you have so to COVID, lost. COVID, I think, re really upset the thing. Like, yeah. everything was somewhat normal when COVID hit, man. It, I mean, there was people just trying to get out everywhere. Right. I, I here, nobody was buckled down in Colorado. They were they were trying right. to get out in the damn woods because that's why everybody lives in Colorado. Yeah. But they, uh, 
it hasn't calmed down that much. No, you know, still, there's still just a lot of people. I mean, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier, right? It's not necessarily a bad thing. I think overall for, for mental health and folks to be out and doing those things in nature, it just sucks in September, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, it just sucks, but it's, uh, yeah, it, it is nice to see people getting out and enjoying it. It's just hard when you're now that's another thing on the landscape that you're contending with and, crowds are they're always interesting but it's another challenge in that uh in that chessboard so so man let's uh how far into the new native line can we dive how much can all the way we're we're pretty much there yeah we're everything's done put together and ready to go we've been sending some orders out on the new frames um like to the new tubes and the tubes we just kind of refined what was out there we had some stuff on the old ones that we like, like we kind of liked and so we, we just kind of mixed and matched and played with it and said, man, this is, this is as good as we can make it as small as we can make it, you know? So we're, we're pretty close there. So like I said, we're a couple months away yet, maybe on tubes, but it's getting done. Okay. Well, so you brought up tubes. So what, what, when you're, when you're designing or making a tube or trying to figure a tube, what goes into it? Right. Because essentially we look at this thing and you hear people say it all the time, right? A baseball bat. And you look at that and you go, okay, what's the, what's the design here that's given me this pitch or, you know, allows this sound to carry this far or giving me, you know, this mid range tone better than the other. And how do I get that back pressure? How, how do you guys go about that? How does that look? Um, and is it even that intricate when you're talking about it? <clears throat> it is. I, I, I think that's one of the things that really get missed with guys. And I think it's why they struggle being as proficient on a read as they could be is because I think the re- the tubes today to match reads are, are critical. So the, the problem we have with diaphragms is diaphragms really and truly are most familiar to the turkey side. So we have 6 million turkey hunters. And I can promise you that there's a certain width and frame. Being in manufacturing on the diaphragm side, there's only so many manufacturers out there. So there's, there's a guy with... Um, Pioneer Enterprises that supplies frames for guys that build. And he's got one frame that is uber popular across the board. And it's just an open frame. But but six million turkey hunters, that's what they're used to. So when the guys start crossing over, and I think most we'll start with the out-of-state guys, because I think we have two different conversations here. But the those guys cross over from running turkey reeds and they come out and grab elk reeds, and they are not the same cat anymore. They used to be. But we've on the elk side developed the line so much further along that it's not the same animal. And the the big piece of that puzzle is guys look at it and they just like look at the tube and say, I want to use this because it's flexible, like the old school, you know, vacuum cleaner hose that dad sold, say, you know, um, they or they want this or they want that. But what what they're missing in that piece of that puzzle, it is very important on how that read performs. So your old open frame reads perform best with pretty much anything. And the reason is, and we'll, we'll go into the diaphragm side in a minute, but it has to do with the tension in the read is vastly different than what we are selling as elk reads today. So the domed over reads run much differently and build differently than what the turkey reads do. Um, but what I have found, so it, it's funny because we've been, we really started Wayne Carlson's calls in 81, really got launched in 83, right? And then the double blue 
mouth diaphragm pretty much ran the world. That was 90% of what we sold. That was the most popular read out there for, for the longest time. <clears throat> and you could run it in anything. When I got to building new reads this year, it's funny because I, I really, <laughs> and I, I kind of stumbled into it. I'm sitting here and, and I'm, I'm building 3D prints and I'm trying this and I'm trying that. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm gluing and sticking and trying to do some different things. And I'm sitting here in the office, so it's quiet. And we've got other people here that, that lease and and rinse. I'm trying not to be, be rude. So I'm taking a tube and I'm running it and I'm cupping the end of it constantly to muffle it up. And so I, I'm going back and forth for a couple of weeks, beating my head on the wall, like, well, man, it works here. It doesn't work. And then it finally dawned on me that when I cut my hand over the end of the tube, I was building back pressure in my mouth and I was getting seven notes out of it instead of two. So immediately, and I had everybody's tube. I had all kind of different stuff that I was playing with and I'd grab one and I'd grab the other. It was inconsistent. And, but then I finally figured out consistently, as soon as I muffled it and built back pressure, it started to make a difference on the reeds. So then we got more into the tube side. Um, so you, you need a tube that's basically gets your lips into the right position. And so that's going to vary on everybody. So like, like Big Al Morris is a, is a friend of mine. I don't know if you've met Big Al before. Al is like seven feet tall and he's a monster of a guy. Al can run like a good inch and a half tube. He can get all his lips in there. Everything works for him, but, but he's a huge guy. If you gave him something a little bit you know, small and dainty, he's, he's lost with it. He's, he's done. So getting your lips in the right position and finding something that fits you well is super important. So the, that's where I think the mouthpiece is and you're starting to see them out there, right? So one of the smartest things we did on the early tube is we put an acrylic mouthpiece in the end of the tube. That was the best part of the whole design. And, and I, when, when we did the tube five years ago, I knew it was just going to be something to tread water for the time being, but I had some ideas and one of it was that mouthpiece. So we put in, you know, we, we put in that mouthpiece, we played with it, played with the diameters. And, you know, if you start looking at everybody's lines, you know, there's been some thought in those mouthpieces of how they do it. And now we're, we're starting to get even deeper into them. You know, you see, uh, you know, Slayer's now building a, you know, a full six inch acrylic mouthpiece and they're, they're starting to neck it down and they're starting to build back pressure into the whole system. Um, so all those things matter, but also the diameter of the tube makes a difference. Like even three inches to four inches makes a difference in, in how that pops and how that sounds. Um, the length does the length of handle makes a difference. So it's just finding that right configuration. I kind of, I, I kind of looked at everything available out there and even the stuff that I liked and said, all right, man, we got to find something that's not necessarily competition worthy. Cause I, I think we can go way over crazy on that, but yeah. something that I can hunt with that still sounds really good and still performs well with, with whatever read you're running. So that's kind of where we ended up on the two, but, but it's a, it's a huge factor. Guys have got to figure that system out and understand you, you need a tube that has some versatility to it and find what works for it. Cause it's going to make a difference on the read that you run. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think people realize, I mean, when you just talk about the length of the neck on that and what that does to back pressure um, and even resonance through the tube, I don't think folks spend a lot of time I don't know why people would if you just want to get out and crack off bugles, right? Um, yeah, no, guys just want to be proficient. Yeah, um, you know. So it's, it's, I, in my opinion, right? I'm, I'm big on, big on audio, right? I, I want to hear, I want to hear what I want to hear. Now, my ear is not your ear, but I know what sounds good to me, and if I'm going to mimic, I want to mimic what I'm hearing in the field, right? So it's, I, I have. Everything, I think I have everything but your new tube. 
um, from every freaking manufacturer you can imagine. Yeah. And nobody's down. had it, right? Like I hadn't even sent one. I, I've got, like I said, I hope we get samples of here in a couple of weeks, but, but yeah, nobody's even seen one yet other than me just playing with it here and being like, that's what I want. Right. So, you know, I'll go through it, you know, and I'll go, you sent me a bunch of reads to, to test out. And I'm, I mean, I'm on every single tube going this one and I'm writing it down. Then I pull up the next one. I got this one. I'm this tube, this tube, this tube, this tube. And uh, for me, it's fun, right? It's a little bit monotonous, but then it's like, oh, there it is. So unless a guy sits down and does that or takes his diaphragms into, you know, sportsmen's and Cabela's and, you know, samples buddies reads or goes to a show and can run through with the read that you are comfortable with. And hits all, you'll never really know if you're just saying, oh, that one and and run with it because X, Y, or Z said, use that one. There, There's yep. a huge difference in tonal quality and how far that sound's going to carry um, from the individual to individual on those reads, man. It, it, it makes well, a world of difference. I mean, and it gets missed too. And, and it's actually right in front of everybody, but, but they're not putting the pieces together. And I've even had to take some time doing what I've done the last two years on the new frame and figuring that out. So like even competition wise, watching guys on stage, the reason they're hovering six inches over the floor is because it changes the back pressure in the tube. The reason we've got two different tubes with, with crazy cutouts in the end of it is it changes the pressure in the tube. So what we're going to do a bugle over here with seven notes. Now I'm going to grab this one over here and I'm going to do one with two and I'm going to do shit that I can't do with this tube. Cause this one doesn't have any pressure in it. So guys have, you know, it, it's there guys are just kind of begin keeping that stuff pulled in, you know, it's, and, and some of it's honestly it is like the competition thing. Like, like there's some guys that know that, Hey, this gives me an edge and this gives me performance here. I mean, we're ultimately super nerding out at this level yes. talking about, yes. so, but, but it's, it's the reality of, of the way that it works, man. Um, you know, guys in the, in that are that deep into it, man, that's, They'll, they'll keep some of those secrets on the cuff and they'll, they'll keep it as tight as they can and away from everybody. And I'm not naming names, but I, you start looking at ends of tubes, dude, yep. pay attention. To them. They're that way for a reason. Oh man. I've seen, I, I don't want to say the name, but I've, I've seen baffles, you know, flush baffles yep. in tubes. And I'm like, Oh, that sound. And then it's, you know what I mean? It's like that, that is what's doing it there. And man, it's funny because it's kept so close with, with a few people like, oh, I can't tell you what we're doing there. I mean, material mixing all kind of, man, there's some, there's some trick stuff that I think we're just naive to, you know, on the consumer level. Yeah. And it's yeah, so we're, we're completely cool, missing man. it. Yeah. Completely missing it. I, and even um, lip buzzing. I remember back in the day when I was competing and, Corey and I were both coming out of youth division, landing into the, the open pro divisions as, as kids. And um, there was a guy by the name of John Sarkeesian at the time. John Jr., his son, calls over, I think, for Fox Pro now. Um, John Sr., I did not like as a – like, I, I'm going to be honest, I didn't like the guy. However, he was a tremendous caller. And he was the first dude that tied into lip buzzing. He was, he was the first one to figure that out. And for two years, man, everybody was just like – lost (laughs) hell because that was a game changer you know that's a staple of what we do now um and everybody at the time was just like we can't beat this guy till we figure this out like because he just crushed us for two you know everyone for two years you know so it was now grab those little nuggets man hang on now you can't stop guys from lip balling they just lip ball in the woods and it's like that's a 
Why'd you just do that, bro? That was a locate bugle. <laughs> yeah. Why you just lip ball at them like that? Um, yeah, it's it's so man, it's so much fun to just like you said, nerd out on it and and really get into it and like why does why does that sound so much better? And then there's materials. Yeah. Uh, you know, the last couple of years we've seen change in material, and uh, I'm not a material. fan. <laughs> as far as what. When we're talking, if we're talking about tubes, um, I would rather see things that add to maybe the back pressure or adding baffle to get, you know, to get some more realism out of it. Um, but adding, you know, more resonance. I'm not really a ridge bugler, so I'm not going yeah. ridge to ridge and just and just cracking off locates, right? And I, and yep. so I don't appreciate. Not saying that there's not a need or a use for them, and they're not, you know, good. Um, but I'm not, I'm not that guy that's just cracking off locates. So when it's just this smooth piece of, you know, aluminum or, um, you know, maybe HDPE or something that they're putting a little bit into. Um, it's just not a fan, man. I want to, I want to nerd out, right? I want a longer neck. I want, you know, a, a nice baffle. And, you know, what does that look like as we're going through that neck? Is it ribbed? Is it not ribbed? Is there a baffle inside? How's that <clears throat> end cupped? And all that stuff matters to me, man, that realism and that I can do stuff, you know, through a range of language, if you will, that allows me to talk more of it and, and not just worry about a freaking locate or throwing out a chuckle. Yeah, it. you know, it is too, too, you know, and I think we're always going to be limited to some degree because even we're all going to develop our own voice with running mouth reads. No matter what we do, we're, we're going to have our cadence that we prefer. We have like, we're going to have our sound that we develop one way or another. Um, you know, dad's bugle for the longest time. And it was always like, Hey man, that's, that's, the, that's the Wayne Carlton bugle. And it was very, everybody heard it so much and, and it was great, but I mean, it was so, that was Wayne's bugle. Same deal with Corey. Corey has his bugle. You know I mean? Everybody, you definitely develop a voice over time and hunting wise, you know, I'm starting to look at this a little bit differently too. Hunting wise, I want more voices when I bugle, I want to be able to change it up somehow. So I think it's going to be hard on a general read. Like you're going to pop off one, two, three notes. So, so now can I change it to where I'm not getting those exchanges? So I, I sound like something different. Turkey hunting for me is a, a big deal and it's been a great testing ground because it's been such a crossover for us. But like in the turkey woods, man, if I work a bird on one read and it's super tight and super clean and say I chase him around for three hours, he's just kicking my butt. If I can back off him for an hour, reset up, change it again, and then go to something super raspy or something he hasn't heard, it makes a difference in calling that and getting it done. And I don't think it's that different from elk too, man. Like I had two weeks in the woods this year. I hunted one big group of elk. And at the same time, I got quickly to where I was identifying elk, you know, by, by like day three, man, it's like, I worked that bull yesterday. That's the one I want to go after. That one's, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they all have their own voice. You know, I, I I got on a 380 that I was chasing around there for three days that like he didn't even bugle. He just sounded like a red Hereford. You know, he didn't, <laughs> you know, there was no bugle. It was just this big, bally, nasty, but that that was his voice. So I, I'm trying to look at it to where, you know, you, you need some of those locates and stuff, but man, I, I wonder if we can start building in something raspier, nastier and have some different voices as we go. And we just to have some other fishing lures out there to cast out there and hope they bite on it. Yeah. That goes into that, that, uh, diversification of repertoire, um, which is, which is in my opinion, 
hugely, hugely important. The more crowded the woods get, the more likely you are to be successful, whether that means arrowing or just calling in, um, if you have a diverse repertoire that you can lean on. Maybe yeah. that's three or four different calls and two tubes. Who knows? You know, but uh, and, and you're not just not just I don't want to not just bull talk. Right. But cows, calf, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and I I mean, even in the woods, like so we talk hunting season. I've gotten better at guys have gotten better at sounding like elk where you have to question it a little yes. bit at times. Like, however, <clears throat> I can usually pick those guys out on cadence because they do the same thing every time and it's the same cadence and it's the same chuckle and it's it's very structured it's, it's like a, it's very structured right that there's no organic nature to it so i mean i i mean and they're just testing it i know what they're doing man they're they're just trying to say enough and that's their bugle and that's their voice but it doesn't take long to where you can look at it or like you know it's kind of like a hoochie mama or a squeeze me man it's the same thing over and over and over again it's just redundant <laughs> um, i think guys have got to mix that up yeah it, the worst is the the worst piece of that is when you assume that you know that it's a hunter and then realize, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> damn it, that's a bull, <laughs> and it's oh, always it's, too it's late. Happened, man. Always, always, <laughs> it's always too late, man. So okay, so we talked to a little bit. So I really want to get into because you know you with with what I've seen, we got different size. Uh, diaphragms latex is is different and one of the things that i struggle with is a certain size of dome right that that frame if that frame is is too tall man it is just because of what i'm used to i always it's just what it amounts to is too much tongue pressure on my part and i've just given up (laughs) <laughs> you know so it, this is the way i'm starting to break it down and and some of this i think guys need to go back old school to a degree so we did what we're going to call the v3 frame and we've done it in three sizes because the first question from every manufacturer when it comes out everybody's like what read do i use the first answer is always what fits so not all frames are equal so i, I we spent the time the last several years figuring out one solid frame, one solid design that was going to work across the board. Like, and it runs like a jet on all of it. But so we, we found one thing that worked and then we offered it in three sizes. So we have a small, we have a medium, we have a large, large being, and I don't want guys to get scared away by the large because it has some real good benefits to it. Our large frame is no wider than what the standard Turkey read is out there. So it's not anymore. It's not like it's just, I should just call it the regular frame, not the large frame. Um, right. So that's all of, a step down from what we're right? accustomed to. Right. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> so that, that's the way that we're kind of setting those. And we've kept it really simple. I think manufacturers, I think, so here's, here's the dark side of the manufacturing is we get stuck with vendors wanting new stuff all the time. So with latex is there's only so many latexes available to us out there. And there's only so many sources of it. We've got two sources pretty much domestically to buy latex from. So we're all running generally different flavors of the same stuff. Um, and usually like a three thousandths latex and a four, um, or a prof or, you know, there's just, I mean, they're in one hand as, as far as what we use. So you'll find in a line like of six, there's a couple reads that run really good and then there's just stuff. So I, I'm trying not to get caught up in, in the vendor 
issue like a sports is warehouse and Bass Pro is wanting new stuff. And we're just going to build these things with the best three latexes that we could find and just keep it simple. So we've done an ultralight, which is a newer type of prof. We're doing a medium read, which is like a three thousandths, which three thousandths on Elk Reads is pretty much a standard thickness across the board. And then we're doing a heavier weight four thousandths. And that pretty much like you can feel the difference from a three to a four, <clears throat> that four is way stiffer. Um, the ultralight, I personally like the ultralight stuff. It's just pitchy and it's just like, it's just what I like in an elk call. But that 3000s man does everything. Like it, it runs good, it cow calls well, it bugles well, it's going to hold up decent. Um, I mean, it, so we're, we're going to try to leave that uncomplicated. Cause there's so much stuff out there, man. Like we're, we're literally building matrices and trying to figure out what read to use and what goes where. And what, I mean, man, you walk into that call wall at a sporting goods store oh, and it's a nightmare. Yeah. Like, I don't know how, how you pick you, 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 so, the hardest, well, my opinion, the hardest part is for the average guy. I mean, you figure what's a read 1199 to eh, call it 13, 14 bucks. Yep. And you look at that wall of calls and it's just like, it, it goes, I think it really goes down to uh name brand at this point. Right. As a lot of guys are going, oh, okay, I'm going to use that one. Um, I heard this one on this, you know, podcast yep. X, Y, Z was using this on this YouTube video. And that's, then that's where they go. Not understanding like you're talking about latex thickness, the actual size of the read, you know, how, how tall uh, is that dome off of that latex that's going to affect it. Right. That that's uh tongue pressure and palate and everything else. So it's, it's pretty interesting and it's a, it's arduous and can be very disappointing to guys when they drop the wrong read in their mouth and they're going, I, I can't call. I, I just can't make these sounds. And it's like, well, it's not necessarily you. It may be the call selection. Maybe the call selection, maybe the tube. Um, like you talk about that dome hitting the roof of your mouth. So some of those guys have got flatter pallets you know, and you may be that guy. <clears throat> Maybe you're just an open read guy. No, I'll show you the difference here. So okay, no, no issue here. Right. But, th okay. but this, I can't do it. Like it, it's the, the frame itself is too wide on the dome for me. Gotcha. And then the gotcha. distance between here and here is just too substantial. And, and okay. how I've, you know, I've learned on this is one of my first calls, not this one in particular, um, and the shape of that uh, that frame and the dome, it just it just sits in there perfectly, and I can make it sing and do whatever I want. This okay. yeah. new to me type dome, nah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and it's it's going to vary. So we had, but it may it makes it you know we talk about what works for the guy. Mm -hmm. So in my calling aspect, I can bugle like a fiend. No matter what you give me, I, I, I can be like, like a freight train. My cow calls is where I fail. So if I take a standard, the old Wayne Carlton double blue read, <clears throat> I'll get through my slide and it'll crack every time. Now, my dad has the same flaw, which makes sense. So whatever's in the roof of her mouth, the way it's structured, the way it pressures up, we have the exact same failure. Um, so, I, I mean, you're going to be. God's going to give you what you got. Right. So it's just going to make a difference of, of what fits and what works. Now, I, I do think, though, I think there's a difference in reads from entry level stuff, stuff you're going to buy at Walmart to 
guys that are, I mean, you, you guys are in this enough now, man, you know, that, you know, if you go buy an HS strip flat, you know, plastic flex frame, it is what it is. It's a great starter call, but at the same time, like, man, it's not going to do like, if you get a custom built pro, you know, something with a bunch of profit and some guys that are just nerding out to the nth degree on it, it's a different call. Right. So I, I mean, guys too, I think go into stores all the time and buy, they just buy stuff, but there's a difference, man. I, I think guys got to dig a little bit and there's, there's going to be so many guys out there building now, especially doing custom stuff that, I mean, you're going to get better stuff from a custom guy, I think, because he's sitting there, he's not building that many. Um, you know, there's manufacturers out there literally making hundreds of thousands of reads. I don't know how you hold tolerances on hundred, you know, 200,000 diaphragms. You know, it's <laughs> what just stamping at that point. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All... You're just picking them out the door, man. Yeah. But, and, and like where I can sit here in a call press or, you know, and, and all of our guys that, that build reads right now, they're all elk hunters. They can all run calls. And that, that's kind of the deal is, you know, Hey, when you're building, make sure there's one in your mouth, man, make sure you're, you're checking it, you know, every hundred reads that you keep your tolerances. And, and I purposely like gone after guys that bugle just so they can do that. So they, they can test their own stuff that they're running to make sure it's intolerance. But man, when you're at 200,000 units, that ain't going to happen. Nah. How do you, okay. so, so I want to get into the width a little bit, right? So we, we talked about, you know, kind of that, that standard, I want to say it's about an inch and three quarters um, on the width. Uh, right. And then now we're starting to see some of that back down to fit those, you know, those, those smaller pallets um, or those higher arch pallets is how I kind of, relate that right um yep <clears throat> so did, we know there's a necessity right i mean there there absolutely is or you guys wouldn't bring that to market but what what kind of triggered that and what were you guys seeing and then what what determines where you back that size down from and then how come there was nothing that kind of increased in that because that that's almost an industry standard at that inch and three quarters this is what th this is my guess and this is literally just a guess. So it was funny because I, I was in a, I was in the dentist's office this last week and he made a comment. We were talking elk hunt. So he, he listens to podcasts constantly. He's an avid elk hunter. And so he, we're just catching up. Right. And we start talking about guys in the industry and he's like, I can tell you exactly what that guy's palate is just without him even being in my chair. Cause I'm a dentist. This is what I do. He says, that guy's going to have a deep, narrow, like he, he started naming off everybody in the industry, all these guys that we know, all these names. And he started putting them in categories immediately. So I think, you know, and I got to think about it. I was like, well, that, that makes sense. You know, it goes back to that statement I made about big Al Morris the other day. Al's huge, man. He needs the biggest frame he can get in his mouth. So there's going to be the stark contrast in the other direction. Right. But if you're a manufacturer and you're a builder, you're going to build towards what works for you. Mm -hmm. It may work for everybody, but, but you're, I mean, if you're a small, <clears throat> a small frame guy, you're pretty much going to convince yourself even that, Hey, that's, that's this the way, that's the way it's got to be, man. And, and I don't think so. I think we're missing the, the mark on that. I, I think everybody's very different. And I think you have got to like go both directions on that. And, and I think building this in three different sizes, I think this is the smartest thing we've done in a while. Like, I, I think that, I think that's really going to open up the doors for some guys to where they can try some different things, fit some different things. And, you know, I, I think it's going to make a difference because it all, it all comes down to how it fits and how it builds pressure in your mouth. So if it's too far up or too far down, I mean, it's going to make a difference. I tell you what, I, so I've never had an issue 
blowing on the call, right? That standard size call. And when I got this little ditty last September, dude, I, the, I can push it. This is about roughly an inch and a half. And this is a new Carlton call um, for people that aren't seeing this. I can position this thing everywhere on my palate and throughout my mouth and make this mother lover sing sounds that I didn't even know were possible off of a diaphragm because I was set in that one size. And then I get yeah. handed this thing and I drop it in and I'm like, Oh, that feels kind of funky. And I slid it back and started. I was like, Oh, wow. That sound came that much easier and it sounds even better. And then with the latex on it, Oh, dude, it was, uh, this thing is music. It is, I, I guarded this. I actually stole one from my buddy. Yeah, <laughs> there's just a few samples floating around. <laughs> we almost had a fight because he's like, you might as well take that. And I'm like, I don't know where mine is. I can't find it. I'm taking yours. And he's like, I had it in my mouth. And I said, I don't care. <laughs> but yep. it was funny to to realize just changing the size of the diaphragm, what I was able to do and what that created in terms of the language I could speak. It was like, wow, I just increased my vocabulary exponentially. And man, I only got to play with it for, you know, a couple, three weeks, but I yeah. can't wait to get out this year after, you know, this may be, it's not too blown out because I'm pretty soft on it. Um, but I can't wait after a year of use to get out this September and really go make this thing sing. I, I think that we overlook that, you know, that anatomy of the diaphragm. Um, well, and I think too, you know, you were talking about the, the call wall earlier, right? And, and the guy walks up there and, and he just grabs one. So it, this was, this was part of the scenario. I went into a sports warehouse injunction and the manager for that section, God bless him. And I, I so appreciate those people. He was honest. He was actually really just blunt, honest with me about some stuff. Like, but it came down to when he directs people, this was the flaw in the conversation. One, he was like, man, I don't like that. That doesn't fit. Or like, you know, it was more negative than positive. But for me, it was all positive because that's just when my brain works. Like, I don't want to hear what we do good. Tell me what, what we do bad. Right. I was so appreciative of the conversation. <clears throat> but he says, well, I use this one and I demonstrate this one. But it came down to that's what he's proficient on. That's what he's gotten used to, and that's what works for him. So what does he push? What he's that, used to. But yeah. Because he doesn't look like an ass trying to trying to demonstrate something. You know what I mean? Because you're not gonna fail. I'm I'm not either, man. I'm I'm gonna even before we go on here, I'm gonna tune stuff up, make sure I got something that runs. Um, so that that was part of that conversation. But at the same time, it was be careful what we get used to. Like if I'm on the call press and I'm building large reads, man, I I, I, I settle into it and, and that's what works. I, I love that read. This is great. Why don't I use this more? And then I get building mediums or small frames and it's the same damn thing. It's man, why don't I do this more? Then we build open reads and it's like, and these are better than I remember. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just me constantly putting reads in my mouth that you start, you truly do get used to something. Um, but I, but I encourage guys like if they're bugling, you know, and they're only hitting two notes and they can't cal call worth a damn try some different reads, man, you know, try some different sizes, try some different tubes. Tubes are a big deal. Um, you know, venture out there a little bit, but guys very much, I think getting ruts and don't want to change anything. Cause it's, that's just what's worked for them. And I can't fault them, but at the same time, it's, you know, I, I would like to think as an industry, as all manufacturers, we are constantly trying to get better, mm -hmm. you know? So, I mean, hopefully there's better stuff coming constantly. 
I mean, it's just like this new proof material. Um, I think as this goes, this is going to be a standard in the industry here in a few years. It's, it's that good of stuff. So which was the, it was that, but I don't know if you had any in, I don't know if I, if you got your hand, it was that blue, it was a blue latex. Yep. That's, uh, I got three of them here. I got, yeah, I got these three with the blue. Yep. Yep. Joe locked onto that one. Um, I've had a few guys lock onto that one and just love that blue stuff. Yeah. The blue is really, really nice. I don't know that it's better than, so what's the difference in this blue versus this, this black? Oh, you can't. Uh, that black is, is just, just a standard 3000. Standard 3000. Yep. Yep. Cause that man with that, uh, with the, I think that's about an inch and a half or just over an inch and a half, but that, that size, I could slide it back in my palette, man, and just go. Yeah. It's about an inch. Eh, yeah. About an inch and a half. Um, and just go to town on the cow sounds. We were down with Joe and Gil and we're on a bull and, uh, they look back at me, you know, cow call, cow call. And I started cow calling and calf calling and, and Joe looks over like that. His eyes are huge. And then later he goes, man, that was a damn good cow sound. <laughs> I'm like, that's the read I stole from Gil. But yeah. And I don't, so I mean, those frames and those reads, it's going to be, like I said, the three sizes, which I think is going to be critical and finding something that fits. But the latex is, we're just trying not to overthink it, man. We're keeping it super simple, at least for this first year. I've already got other stuffs in my brain pan now as, as we're working. Um, so one thing about the domed over reads for pretty much everybody across the board, like I see it with Rocky, I see it with Phelps, these domed over reads, because the way they pressure up, you can only build them in single reads. Um, as far as like, I mean, you can add more, but they don't sound near as good as a single reads. A singles just run like jets. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm starting to play with the back pressure and starting to make some changes and figure some stuff out there. I still like a double read. I like having that extra read on my tongue. I can articulate a bit more and get a little bit more raspiness in there. Um, right now, there's so much back pressure that's generated with that when i build it into a double rate it just comes out crazy raspy it makes a phenomenal turkey i got a turkey call here that i think is going to go to market next year because it's crazy good if you want if you want somebody to test it send me a double because i'd be curious because one of my favorite reads um is a double um and i absolutely love it i freaking love it that that double is something yeah. else you get that raspy and then you're throwing yeah. that guttural in holy crap man we did that and it was, this was kind of a, a cool thing in the fact that because of the way it's built for an elk read it cow calls well so you're able to on a turkey read by, by i did like a half rack of read in there so i do like a a proof on top then a really heavy piece on the bottom mm -hmm. and i can run that single on top like on a kiki run. So for, for me, turkey hunting, that, that kiki, I slide in all the time, even in the springtime, man. It's like one of my secret weapons. Um, but it's really hard to do on most turkey reeds and keep it clean. Being an elk reed, the, the way this is built, you can keep that clean. And then I can drop back into that turkey reed on, on that second one. And I can just jump into it with a little bit more pressure. Man, I think comes alive and rasp. So it's, yeah. I, I've got to get a bunch out there to guys because I think I may be on some on that, man. They, they're fun to run. Did you, uh, you kill a, a bird on opener? No, I hadn't even put the, so we have, the guys are telling me we have more rec snow recorded on the Uncapagri than we've ever had. Mm -hmm. So that means we're going to have snow there till the end of May, generally. Because usually in a normal year, like last year was a normal year, there's usually about three foot of snow where we're going in. So usually we put snow tracks on an ATV and, and, and buzz in. And I, 
<clears throat> I, I always hunt around the pressure. So everybody's on the bottom cramming them up and I go up around the top. I go up divide road and then I start dropping down to those canyons on those North faces and start killing them there yeah. where everybody's driven them over to. So I, I don't, I don't, I like hunting turkeys that act like turkeys. Elk too. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so I wanted to tape, right? So I think, I think native is the only, manufacturer that i know that offers a couple different tapes uh i actually struggled my dog got a hold of my damn tribute but i struggled initially that was 2019 yeah so you know when i met when i met uh your dad and i struggled a little bit because of the uh, because of that tape um and it drove me crazy and it was just like man how come i can't get comfortable with it and it doesn't sog up you know, you run around, you got a, a, a freaking diaphragm in your mouth all day and it's just soggy, that edge. So it, it kind of drove me crazy for a little while. But as you get used to it and you become more proficient with it um, and it just settles in, man. And it's nice because you could run that thing in your jaw all day and it doesn't lose yep. shape. It doesn't lose, you know, any of the sound quality um, like some of the other reads with that tape. So the, the tape situation, <clears throat> I kind of stumbled into that one as far as like when we started building the new ripper frame, like to, and this was more just vendor stuff, right? So we just want to do like simple logo work and, you know, just some simple tape. So my minimum of that was like 10,000 pieces of tape. And I was like, Oh my God, I want to buy 10,000 pieces of tape. <laughs> so, so I, I had a, I had a, a printer buddy that was working real close to me and, and we started digging in different materials. So we came out with call armor and it's so far, it's a mixed bag. It's about 50, 50. Some guys really like it. Some guys can't stand it. Um, I'm like you. So the, the, the benefits of a call armor is the durability doesn't, I mean, Dude, that thing will outlast the rest of the call. Like the, the tape's been virtually indestructible. Um, but we've had some pushback on 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 fit. I haven't had any issues with it, but man, I, I've been running diaphragm since I was eight. So I mean, that's 40 years of having a mouth read in. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like even watching orders, it's it's the same deal. We're we're kind of on both sides. Like my orders are about 50-50. We 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 set up that new frame. Um with that option of, you know, you can order this however you want. And, you know, we're still shipping 50% of them out with call armor and, and I, I prefer it, but, but some guys don't. So, I mean, it's, but I'm, I'm very open to, you know, whatever works. I think for the storefront stuff, we will sell it in the old style gaff tape. Yeah. I, I don't know. You think, I, I think with, you know, call it branded, um, but having that, you know, that logo on there and just clean, clean graphics. I mean, it, it sounds ridiculous, right? It has nothing to do with performance, but there is a lot of selection that's based on aesthetics. And I, there's oh, no, some of the coolest effing calls that you'll find with, with some of that on there. I mean, this one has the constitution on it. I think, uh, I don't remember which one had the American flag. I can't think of, I thought one of them had it. Um, yeah, we've had blast with, and, and we've, we've been successful enough with, we've been using it for, you know, benefit stuff. If we do an elk foundation banquet, we'll logo one out. Like, you know, we'll build out 300 degrees in elk foundation or do some different things like that. Like I said, for me personally, I still like, like the material better, but the, uh, we, we definitely have had some guys want the old style gaff tape. And I, I think there's a place for it for sure. So oh, yeah. it's all 
available, you know? Yeah. I'll never, I'm never going to frown on any of it. <laughs> I, I got, I can look at it sitting here. I got two of these dang um, uh, reed quivers, man. And they stay loaded up. And I think I have two of these, two of these, and I'll just load them with calls. And it's just like, if something's not working, I'm flopping it out. If I'm getting my butt kicked, I'm flopping yeah. it out and I'm trying something else, man. So and I think it goes back to that. I think it's almost like I was saying earlier too, man, just, like I get on the call press and I get used to running whatever I'm working with. I, I man, to me, I swear in my head, it's it's the exact same conversation. Everybody <laughs> that runs calls a lot. Like the guys that have been really objective about, it, they're like, man, I actually really like this stuff. It's just a little different. Mm-hmm. It just feels a little different yeah. than the gaff, and and it is. So it was. That's all it is. That's what it was. We've for gone me. deep deep down that rabbit hole, man, on tapes here this year. Cause there was, when COVID hit, there was a big lack of production in the industry. Guys couldn't get tape. And that's all, that's all that tape is. And it's just gaff tape. It's just a waterproof gaff tape. Um, but man, that we guys couldn't find resources. Everybody's calling manufacturers and trying different stuff. And some of them worked. And then some of the, the dyes were coming off in guys's mouth. And I mean, we just, I've been so far down that rabbit hole, man. I, I don't, I don't know. The call arm <laughs> was so much more simpler for me. Yeah. It's nice too. Cause I, and I've had a couple recent seasons where enough time in there and for the lack of a better phrase on it, they're bleeding the glue off the back and yep. hot. Dang. Yeah. I mean, you want to, there ain't nothing. I'd rather blow the latex out in a day than have that GD glue leaking out the back of the, freaking diaphragm on me, man. It just drives me bonkers. No, I mean, the gaff tape is, I mean, it's gotten better over the years, but it still separates. It still has that gaffy taste to it that just builds up and get cotton mouth during the day. The, the call armor, I think, has been a, a better product for, at, at least for me. But like I mean, I said, if, you, if we talk to Batiste, he's going to tell you he'd rather have the gaff tape. No. <laughs> he'd rather and have. Joe, he just, Joe and I were talking the other day, and he kind of ended up, you know, something too. So, Call armor was only on the rip it frame, right? So when we did the new V3, we played with the radiuses. We played with the angles and stuff, just really small detail stuff, like how the tab folds. Like anytime you get into manufacturing anything, you have to look at all the pieces of the puzzle. So like how the adhesive went on, how it folded over, how everything went together, how the, like all those things went, went in. So Guys have been way happier with the new frame. It has a nice radius to us. We don't have any sharper edges in it. Like the, the ripper frame was a different animal um, to where guys are like, man, has call armor gotten softer? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's the same stuff. But I think it just fits up way differently on this frame. So I, I think that's been, you know, I think that's been a change for sure. Um, we've been doing some sub-label work for some other call companies out there that have been running call armor on small frames. And they've had zero complaints. So I almost wonder like those early problems we had or some that pushback we had on some of those that if wasn't just the frame and the way the frame fit. That could have been. I know, like I said, yeah. for me, it was, I could feel, uh, it's weird because if I feel anything, it kind of throws me off mentally, right? It's it's out of the norm for me. So it's like, yeah. I, I try to, sounds cliche. I, I try to build that, you know, air quote muscle memory and everything I do. It's like my archery or my, you know, laying sure. down and shooting my rifle. And then when I, f- I could feel the call armor just enough on the back of my palate that was like, Whoa, yep. how am I going to deal with this? Um, yep. 
but man, I, I learned to appreciate it using that, that tribute. Uh, and then now with the new frame, there's something about, I don't want to say too much since they're not out yet, but the, there's something about that, that top to bottom front to yep. back on that. That's just like, it's money, man. It's just the way you're, when you're getting up in there with your tongue, just ever so lightly, you have so much play with that little bit in the back. And then you want to really bring it in. You just ah, lift a little, oh, sweet dude. Yeah, <laughs> so no, sweet. It's, it's been working. So I, like I said, I don't, I'll be curious to see what the sales do this year and just the consumer feedback. And I want, I mean, anybody listen, man, I want as much, like I said earlier, as much negative feedback as I can get. Right. But I think we have so many options now. I, I just don't see us having a whole lot of negative feedback at this point. No, because I mean, and you're, and you're covering it, right. When you get <clears> into the latex and then you get, you know, three different sizes, but you know, ultralight, your, your three thousandths and your four thousandths. I mean, you're covering everything that needs to be covered in that. Pretty much. Right. I mean, you're, you're, you're beginner to your advanced guy. And then especially if you throw that double in there, then you're even yeah. notching up one on that four thousandths um, to get that rasp and that, that nastiness in it. It's, yeah, I'm, and I'm I'm playing with ways. So the only way I'm going to be able to build a double read or anybody is, at least at this point, is you, you got to pull some pressure out of the system. So I've I've been playing with that, and I'm I'm think I'm figuring it out. But we're not. I'm going to play with it just this year and build and see where it nerd goes. out. Yeah, and That's see where it goes. It's it's funny. Yeah. There's so much nerding to be done with that. What uh, <laughs> what one of the things I don't want to miss, right? Is if you look at if you look at your calls, right? We have a, a phenomenal line of externals and there's just, we're talking diaphragms here and there's a ton of folks that struggle with diaphragms and they have to rely on externals. And I mean, not just the quality of sound, but then you get into some of the, the custom calls, the custom ivory or your burl wood, some of the most beautiful calls you'll ever see. I mean, it's almost like that's like a, a centerpiece on my man cave shelf when we talk about like some of the ivory calls, there's no way I'm taking that to the woods, man. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's, uh, and it's funny you mentioned that we've been, I've been so caught up the last two years in, in, in doing the V3 frame that I, I kind of miss what we're probably best at. And that's the open rate stuff. Um, we've got into adding in the acrylic, you know, I, there was definitely so much already in the duck, duck call world that, you know, I started dragging that over in to what we do now. And, and it does make a difference. It makes a better call. Acrylic holds resonance outstanding. You can, you know, form and fit, I think makes a difference too. So it's, we're definitely getting past just plastic parts. You know, I, I, I think that day's gone, man. I, I think from a manufacturing standpoint, I think from here on, I mean, there'll be some of that available, but at the same time, I think it's really going to move towards craftsmanship and some and custom stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if oh, if we get away from uh, the custom stuff, the the little green weenie, um, yeah, that thing is awesome. I mean, just when you look at it, it, it's so unassuming, right? You look at this little thing, and you're like, what the what the hell is this thing gonna do? And I stuffed it in my in my bino harness and uh, looked at it. I think I was three days in, and I go, man, I haven't used this. And I pulled it out and I messed with it a second, got that you know that little feel in that position, and I hit it and. I mean, it just sets you back. And it's like, damn, that little thing made that sweet sound. And I mean, you want to talk about cow-calf talking with that thing. You can go all over the place with it. It's it's amazing. You, so uh, th this is always a good question. Um, and I always like getting asses or being in the middle of it. And that's, you know, if you only had one 
thing to take to the woods. If you only had one call period, you know, what would you take? And for me, I, and I'm <laughs> as much as I love running elk trees and listening to myself out in the damn woods bugle, you know, I mean, I think we all probably do it too much. If I only have one call to take, I'm going to take that a green. Weenie. Yep. yep. So it has a rattle to it. There's a note. There's just a high pitch ass note that punches out there and elk just dig that. I I'm amazed at, I mean, I, I use everything. I, I love everything, but at the same time, man, it's, that little open read call just has a rattle and a note that elk just dig, man. I mean, it's, we've called more elk in with that stuff than anything. It's not as cool. It's not as sexy. It's not as fun, but man, that's I, uh, easily over the years of guiding and everything else we've done. Those little open read cow calls, I think go Dude. way further than people realize. Yep. That's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really nice call. I'm trying to see. I just pulled up the website because I wanted to see. I haven't looked at the ivories in a while. I, you know, I mean, folks, if you're listening to this and you get on there and you look at that uh, that uh, elk ivory custom, I mean, it's a little bit spendy, right? When we talk about elk calls, but that thing is it, it is it's it's somewhat relative though. Like like you can bury you can bury fifteen hundred in the in a duck call pretty easy, right? Like, like you literally can't, we're just not used to it on the elk side, but I, I'm honestly surprised I can build it for that. Cause it's, it's a custom made silver band here out of Montrose from your race silversmith that they handset a personal ivory into, and then I'll sit down and tune and polish and build a barrel for it. And then we'll put it together. But so sweet, man. <laughs> it, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was just a cool idea. And actually it was a buddy of mine that was, that was working for me early on in the early days of native. It's like, man, you know, what would be cool says if we can incorporate how to do uh you know so we everybody kind of had a few ideas and kind of ran with that and then that's what that came out to be so but it's we sell you know we sell a few of them for sure they're they're a cool memory item man and i can't think of like it's just cool to have like to go on an elk hunt especially with guys don't don't get a hunt every single year right to take it and kind of memorialize your hunt some way it's been a fun one yeah those are they're freaking beautiful man so um I'm gonna, we're going to tangent. Well, I guess not a tangent, but anything else with native um, that we can expect um, to see this year coming up in the in the near future. Man, I think the V3s and just the the two we're just going to call the hunters tube. Um, you mentioned versatility on that too. So one thing we've done about that too, we have that standard acrylic mouthpiece that'll come with it, but you can pull that mouthpiece out and change that opening as far as access to. So if you want more, you can just pull that mouthpiece out and it opens it. And then that also coincidentally ended up being the exact same size as HS's Mac Daddy. So you can plug in for, for guys that, that are just like, man, I just want to stab something and go, you can pick up that HS Mac, Mac Daddy, you know, super darn easy elk call to use and stick it in the bit into that tube and run it. So it's, it'll be a versatile tube in that, that regards, but it holds good back pressure, does everything great. Like I'm, I'm actually pretty pleased with the way that's turned out. Okay. I can't wait to check that out. Um, so we'll drop, you know, native by Carlton, um, here at the end, but yep. so I, I want to talk about a little bit about your elk philosophy and how you approach September, uh, and whichever piece of September, or season, you know, is, is your favorite, um, just to give a little, a little bit of, uh, some education there and give guys something to add to their, their game bag this year. 
Um, I still like when I pull my vacation time from the firehouse, I, I pull the last two weeks of season still. Um, I think you got to make a decision too. Are you hunting a elk? Or are you hunting the elk? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I, I'm at a point <clears throat> I like chasing big elk. I'll pass a 300 inch all day long where I usually go because I know there's a bigger elk there. I want to kill the elk. Um, but I think guys have, have got to be honest in their expectations when they come out and they go and, and you got to make that decision. Cause it's going to, it's going to take you one way or it's going to take you the other, as far as how you go about it, because it's two different conversations, but man, I don't, everybody always wants a silver bullet on this stuff. And there's just not, there's not one. <laughs> there, there's not, I mean, it's be proficient with your calls. Um, I think guys really screw up with not physically being ready. Um, I, you know, I tried to help a few guys last year that reached out to me and, and they, they had some points for different units. And I literally would put X on the map for those guys. And, and from a Colorado boy standpoint, it was super reachable and doable on a daily basis. And, and the guys be like, I can't do that, you know, and, and they, they've spent six points. They've spent how much money and man, I, I there's, there's just a physical aspect. I mean, elk hunting hurts. <laughs> There's, there is no easy way around it, man. It, it's an epic, big lifetime type hunt, man. It's, it's going to string you out there physically. So I, I mean, I don't, <clears throat> I'm not a guy that believes like you got to do CrossFit every day and go completely berserk about it, but man, it's physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, and you definitely a level of preparation that is next level to, in my opinion, almost every other type of hunting until you get into. Yeah. So I miss a three. I, I missed a 360 early this year, my, my third day in the woods. And, you know, after you're going through it and processing it, I was five hours on my feet back in there by myself. It would have taken me three days to get that elk out of it and would have beat me to my, you know, utter, it would have limited me out on everything I was capable of, you know? So it's, you know, people think, you know, well, I, I got to be in shape to hunt. Well, hell, what, what if you kill something? Well, that that's the consideration that, and we're getting better about it, right? But that's the consideration that a lot of folks don't even think about, right? I yeah. got to be able to chase them. I got to be able to ridge to ridge or drop in this basin. And it's like, man, that is 25 to 30% the effort of when you have to deal with getting that animal in your gear out of there if you're four, five, 10, 12 miles back. Yep. And, and I mean, it's another level. And if guys, unless they've been in the military and, you know, have had to go through rucking miles and miles and miles and pulling 80 pounds, you know, guys just don't know. They, they don't understand what, what beating they're fixing to take. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even me this year, man, I, when I finally punched my tag, you know, I, I packed that thing out on my own and it was three trips and it wasn't a, a bad pack out, but it, it was all I wanted, man. Yeah. It just hurts. There's just no way around it. So I want guys to, so what I've done on the physical side, the for the fire department on the wildland side, we have to do a annual pack test. So I, I don't I don't know if you ever got some firefighter buddies or anything, but the annual pack test is basically three miles of rucking on flat ground. And and Colorado time, we've we've got like 45 minutes and 16 seconds to red card it. Um hot shot crews are I think they're around like 34 minutes or something like that. But I can tell you right now, man, if if you can't do it in 35 minutes. And I think this is great at home because it tests your boots, tests your pack. 
like it, it kind of gets your brain at least thinking about it. Yeah. If you can't do it in 35 minutes, you're going to struggle at elk season. You know, even if those guys do go back and do it in South Carolina before they come here, it's a really good barometer. But no, too, man, take a few days and make sure that you try to walk around with 80 pounds in your pack. You know, I, I'm going to say most guys can pack meat, you know, and pull out 80 pounds and on a regular basis, you know, at least as far as, you know, I've got to hike for a couple hours. I think they can get by with it. Get by with it, but we haven't even introduced elevation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. And there is, right. So there's all those other factors that nobody's even prepared for, but that's kind of been my barometer. If, if I can pull my pack test and I usually try to, I try to run mine quarterly. Like I try to keep a pack on throughout the season. Um, if, if I'm 35 minutes, I can usually get through elk season decent. Like even if I got to pack something out, it may beat me up. I'm going to be dog ass tired, but that's been a pretty good barometer physically. I, I, I don't know what, I don't know how else we can quantify preparing people for coming to Colorado and beating themselves to death, but you can't, you just have to let people know that uh, they, they need to go in with a, a tempered expectation of their physical prowess yep. <laughs> right because you i mean i i got buddies that they, they hit the gym all the time they could bench you know bench 350 plus pounds and you get them on on the mountain and man muscle is expensive and it's like dude i've been telling you for two years like you you know carrying that much mass around that's expensive especially when you get yep. to elevation and you know stepping over all the crap we got to step over off trail the one thing you brought up right now was boots man and i freaking preach and preach and preach uh, and i don't even say boots anymore i say footwear system cuz i want exceptional right. socks i want a, a good boot liner and i want a freaking phenomenal boot like that to me that is i can go in the woods with a 300 or yeah, $300 bow setup and get it done. Yep. But if, right, my, right. if my feet are yanked, yep. you're done. You are yep. absolutely done. Like that'll kill your day faster than anything else in my opinion. Yeah, boots and packs and packs make or break after 45 pounds. Yes. Like absolutely. you run any pack up to 45 pounds and after that you get what you pay for, man. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> Ain't that the truth. There's a reason some of those packs are a thousand dollars. Um, it's because they pull weight tremendously well. Boots, I'm I'm the same way. So I, I wear like a, a compression smart wool sock. I, I don't use their liner, I'll I'll run a full compression sock. Um, and I'll run their their heavy wool, their heavy heavy heavyweight wool sock. And I think I'm running what am I running? I think I'm running crispies right now. Um and I, I, I don't care, man. When he gets into this conversation, I do not care about brand name. I care about what fits what and what fits. works. Yep, that's you know, it. Who riffs about the rest, man? I run right now. I'm running the Mystery Ranch Pack, um, and I'm running Crispies. And I, I bought the Crispies literally because I walked in the store one day and put them on, and it's like I think these will work. And then literally the next day, I was on the mountain and I was good. Mm -hmm. I know so it's so I run. I boots. I run Wuru wool socks, dude. These socks because I was running smart wool, and then I, I learned about Wuru wool. These things are freaking, they're amazing. These guys are Walt. He's out of, uh, out of Utah, but they're uh, uh, seamless toe, and I okay. mean just totally contoured for your foot. Just phenomenal socks, left right fit. So you don't, you know, you like uh, my wife will wash my hunting clothes and I'll go to put my <laughs> stuff on and I'm like, God damn, I got two left socks. Um, yep. <laughs> but yeah. man, I mean, awesome. And then I started running uh, the Salewa uh, Raven GTX. Okay. It's a, it's a mountaineering boot <clears throat> and it's not, it's not the super thick, you know, rigid, like, you know, number 
uh, nine stiffness. It's probably in the seven realm, and it's just a phenomenal boot for September, man. It is. They've been amazing. I probably have. I probably have in the neighborhood. I gotta have five to six hundred miles on them boots. I mean, that they're the boots that make me want to wear them every day, yep. but I don't want to ruin them for yep. season. So I, you know what I mean? It's like I don't want to stay out. My my good boots, like I, I guard them, I, I guard them and take care of them and baby them and yeah, I like I, I pay attention to them, man. Um, but but you're right. I think boots and packs are a big deal for people. Yeah. Um, I laugh <laughs> even the, so I go through this with the guys at the firehouse, you know, it's, we kind of fall into that, you know, cause we live together so much. We, have, we truly are brothers, but we get into this, like, Hey man, I told you to do it this way. And not that sure enough, man, we went out and we killed this. It was a, it was a, it was a cool day. The hunt came together. Like it was a, it was a, it was a last minute ditch and we're just like going to go kill an elk and we're, we're packing out and I'm running, I'm running my mystery ranch with it. I swear by, and then I had, I think another guy was running something that fitting pretty well. He was pretty happy with it. And then a guy had bought one off Amazon that had, it was like a, uh, I think it was Alps, it was Alps. It was like a dual fanny pack with an elk slink, like a meat slink. It was, it was just all Amazon, Lodge, man. Lodge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it was, by the time he got back to the truck, man, that thing was, was dragging passes, butt, hitting it in the back of the legs with oh. 80 pounds. I mean, he looked miserable and i'll give him credit he didn't bitch once ever and i know he was just getting tortured to death by his back well you, you know can't really bitch because then you're gonna get you're gonna get mess talk to you <laughs> so it's like the insult yeah. to injury yeah especially with the firehouse case but the uh guys don't and, and i say packs i mean they're not a cure-all like a guy still needs to wear his pack and get used to it and shoot in it i think that's something that yes. too guys be super familiar with shooting with her gear on because you're still going to get strung out. I, I laughed missing that 360 this year because I got up there. I got to wheel and I hadn't eaten anything. I, I just got up from camp, got some water and bailed. I didn't even bother. I said, like, man, I'll, I'll eat when, when I get to where I'm going. And before I even got going, man, we got into elk. And then I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I've, I caught this elk convergence from hell to where I'm like, literally, and this has never happened to me. I'm like looking out, after crawling through hell for three hours, I, I'm at, in, in a park and I'm looking at a 380, four 360s and a bunch of, th like, it was just all hell breaking. I've never seen it before. So I'm in, man, like food's out the window. <laughs> but I, I was done. I hadn't eaten. I was beat up. Um, it started raining. I didn't pull out my rain gear because I couldn't. It, it was one of those instances where calling was completely out the window. There was so many elk. There was so much going on that you were just a drop of the bucket. So I put all my calls away, knock an arrow, and I'm in. And so I'm just bird dogging the entire time, trying to pull it off, trying to pull it off. And then I finally like get to the done, and then, then I miss an elk. And man, by the time I got back to camp, I was so I, I was physically sick, like to my stomach, just from fatigue and beat up and run down. And I mean, even with the best stuff, man, you're still just gonna fail and get. Yeah. I, you're still just gonna be uncomfortable. That's it. There's no I way around. I, I like the fact that you said you got back and you just had to laugh about it. Cause that's one of the things, I mean, I, I'm not going to say I take pleasure in it, right? That sounds kind of asinine cause you want to punch that tag, but man, I kind of get a kick out of getting my ass kicked a little bit by those animals. Like it, it it's, oh, it's great, funny man. to me, man. It's so much fun. It's like, God dang, you got me again. And sometimes they get you to where all you could do is just offer up the humility and take the lesson they just offered you. 
No, man, it was there. <laughs> like, everything. I mean, it was a crazy day. I still, by the time it, and it was funny because I, I got out and it was this open park and it's like tundra. It's like looking at Alaska and I'm watching everybody just dog off. Like, you know, I'm done, man. Like it's over. <laughs> and, and, and there's two, two bulls in back and two big ass bulls in back. And one literally stops following everybody, turns around and comes back my way. Like, like this isn't an opportunity I, I created other than just by being there. And I missed, you know, <laughs> it's just raining on me. I, I can't even remember it. Cause I knew I was, I was so beat up, so cold, so tired. And I knew like, then in your head, you're, you're like, man, I'm, I'm so far up here and I am drenched. I'm how far am I from camp? I need to get dry. Like all those things are in the back of your brain. And man, and I still, I knew I was ragged and I tried to bear down and get it done. And, and when I shot, my boat was so wet, water just exploded everywhere. So I, I didn't even get to see, I know I missed, but I don't, I, where I missed, I can't even tell you. you know? <laughs> it reminds I, me. Like, man, it, it was, it was an amazing deal, man. It was still, that was one of those hunts. It was one of those days that will stay with me forever. You know, that's why you're there. Yeah, they're, they're the best. We were, and I don't know, you were talking about it. It made me think of it. We're, we're actually up on the plateau. My wife is with me. We're hunting and it, it has been a butt kicker. I think I was on the mountain at that point for 16 or 17 days and it was just an ass kicker. And uh, we're, we're moving through an area and I freeze and I knock an arrow, right? And she's usually very attentive to that. And uh, she's, I don't know, gets out maybe 15, 20 feet and she, looks and I, she looks at me and she's like, Oh, look at the elk running. <laughs> Why do you think they're running? <laughs> like really, really the, the, the maybe second opportunity in 17 days, look at the elk running. You just caused yeah. that. <laughs> it just, it, but they're great. Right. I mean, I can laugh about it now. I, I guarantee at the moment I was biting my tongue, man. Oh, but yeah, it's such great experiences, man. So no brother. Um, I appreciate the opportunity and the time with you and look forward to seeing the new offerings and, and getting those out into the woods with folks and um, anything you want to direct folks to native and how do they get a hold of you with questions, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's available. Everything's ready to roll uh, tubes. You can go ahead and pre-order. Uh, we're going to do a strong. So the first 300 tubes is going to be a Wayne Carlton autograph tube. Dad can still at least sign tubes and do some of that. So it'll be one off, like I said, for the first 300 sold. Um, I did put in a 40% off discount for you guys for Western Contours, lowercase spelling. So anybody listening to the show, I, I'll just leave it up for as long as guys want to go in and buy here for the next couple of months. So if they want to buy, buy some elk treats, so 40% off puts you just about dealer cost. On some stuff, so Ooh, that's a that's a big discount, folks. That's a big cut. Yeah, yeah that's a huge. So it's, uh, that's most of it, man. I don't. We covered a fair bit. There's yeah. always more stuff. Yeah. Well, we can always jump on right before season and get a refresher if we need to. Um, but no, man, I appreciate the time. I was I was pretty excited for this, and like I say, I'm excited to get you know some more of these calls and get in the field with them this year. Um, I can't. I, I can't say enough. Of, I, all of them are great, but that that one freaking call, man. The three, the the ultralight is nice um, for the versatility, in my opinion. Yep. I, and you, you know, when we talked before, you were like, "Yeah, I want to get all the bad feedback," and I'm like, "Fuck, man, I'm having a hard time finding anything yeah. negative yep. to say." Right? I mean, <clears throat> it, everything has been thought out. Right? The the frame size, the size of the diaphragms. 
Um, the smallest one, eh, you know, for me in my palate, not, not the best, but you know, yeah, but it's consistent. It fits well. Um, but I think most guys are going to land on the medium frame. I'm surprised at how much I like the the large frame. Yeah. Like I can jam on the large frame, man. It it does some cool stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm curious too, man, as the year goes, you know, and we really did, we, we took five years. We got some stuff out there we knew we were really solid on the external reads, like the acrylic stuff. Like I, I knew I had it together on that, but the diaphragms, I just wanted to listen. So we really did listen here for the last few years. I think we've had the ripper for four years. Um, and I, I took everything. I really tried to be objective about it, get all the feedback from everybody and say, all right, man, how can we answer all these questions and solve all these problems for people? And and I think this is as close as we can get at the moment. Yeah. So no, I, I said, all those things are I think you guys have done really good, man, with the uh, with the new offerings. That was the rip it that I was talking about with the American flag. So that was my first experience with that tape. I just yep. looked right now, and, and man, it feels different on that other frame, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, it yep. take took me a second just because I was used to the dome to get used to that. Um, and then you know, folks, as you get on and you look at the diaphragm calls, don't don't worry about Michael Batista's ugly bug, uh, ugly mug <laughs> on there. Uh, as soon as you start scrolling up, <laughs> and, and I've got some talking about Mike. Mike. I've got some calls. <clears throat> I've got some calls going going to Mike for a review. Now we've kind of got it nailed down to what what I want. Um, but like I said, we're constantly still fiddling and figuring some stuff out and. Like I said, I've, I've still nerding out, man. Heck yeah. All right, brother. Well, I will let you back to life. Appreciate the time greatly. You guys get uh, a hold of Native by Carlton at nativebycarlton.com. Check out the new offerings and make sure that you use that amazing 40% discount code by Western Contours, all lowercase.